0: We're continuing today our series on the Gospel of John and focusing on Jesus in the sense of if we want to know what God is like, then we look at Jesus, because God has revealed himself in Jesus. So there's all kinds of things you could look at in the Gospel of John. It's a pretty complex piece of text, but this is kind of what we're focusing on. In Jesus and what he does and says, how he conducts himself, how do we see the true nature of God? This morning we're going to read from uh, John chapter 9, which some of you may recognize, a relatively famous story of Jesus healing the blind man. And this is the kind of a story that if you um, kind of stand back and look at it, especially after all these centuries later, you almost have to laugh. It's just kind of... Um, It's just kind of funny how all these people are interacting. It's really weird. It's kind of like sometimes think if people 100 years from now or 200 years from now look back on our time, they're going to say, what in the world were these people thinking? And that's kind of the way I look back on this chapter. And I'd like to focus this morning on the perspective of the blind man. So as we read through the text, we're going to read almost all the text, I want you to try to place yourself in his skin, if you can. I realize that's not easy, and just on a Sunday morning like this, to place yourself, it's just a pretty far removed. But as you read the story, as you listen to it, just try to experience, somehow connect with what he might be experiencing. So here's the text. We're starting with verse 1, it should be projected. As he, that is Jesus, passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when Noah can work as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. There's whole sermons you could hold on this; these words of Jesus. I'm not going to do that this morning. I recognize they're complex and a little bit difficult. That's just not my topic this morning uh, for another time. Having said these things, Jesus spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. And then he noticed this word, and in this word is a whole other sermon, which I'm not going to preach this morning. He anointed he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. And there's a whole other sermon in there. So he went and washed and came back seeing. So you can imagine this man sitting by the side of the road. We don't know how old he was. No idea how long he'd been sitting there. Maybe he was quite young. Maybe we just don't know. Doesn't tell us that he said anything to Jesus. He didn't do anything. He didn't believe. He didn't ask Jesus to be healed. Nothing. It just happened to him. Jesus came into his world and and did this thing and and changed his life, saved his life, obviously, no question in those times. This was the literal saving of a life. It rolled over him like one of these great big waves that just rolls you around. And then we read on. The neighbors... And those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, it is he. Others said, no, but he is like him. Uh, Really pretty weird stuff. He kept saying, but I am the man. So they said to him, then how were your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. And they said to him, where is he? And he said, I
1: do not know. Can you imagine being this man and your
0: neighbors, this happens to you, and your neighbors and friends? don't know
1: who you are. That is really pretty weird in some little village somewhere.
0: You're standing there. For the first time, you're seeing these people who you've grown up with, who are your neighbors and friends. They certainly knew him and his circumstances. And the first thing that happens as he opens his eyes, these people are looking at him and saying, we don't know who you are. You see how unseen he must have felt. Can you imagine that? Have you ever felt unseen? People don't recognize who you are.
1: Really deep thing happening here, I'm sure. And this, just total confusion.
0: No rejoicing that he got healed. There's no welcoming him in. There's no showing him all kinds of things. We don't know who you are.
1: Then we go on. They who's the they? These neighbors and friends. Again, what's the first thing they do? Do they throw a party?
0: Do they show him around? All the things that he's missed, do they show him the daffodils? They bring him to the Pharisees. Like the theologians and the professors and the ministers and the religious leaders and the political leaders. Now, it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. And, and if you've been following through, John, with me, you know that this Sabbath day is a trigger thing. Okay, again, this whole, whole other sermon here, I'm not going to do it. But Jesus is healing on the Sabbath, and the Jewish leaders felt that this was not something he should be doing. It was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees asked him again how he'd received his sight. So there he's standing again, the neighbors and friends... And now it's the Pharisees. And he said to
1: them, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. That's it. That's what happened. And they said to him, the Pharisees said, some of the Pharisees,
0: this man is not from God for he does not keep the Sabbath. Can you imagine how those words came over to this man? Again, try to place yourself in his skin. This guy came, this man came, made this mud, put it on my eyes. I went and washed, and I could see. And the first thing the theologians say is, he can't be from God because he did it on the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? So now some say, it's not just that he keeps, doesn't keep, he's, he's actually a sinner, and again, uh, in in John especially, but in all of the Gospels, this word sinner is a freighted word. We say, oh, I'm a sinner. We don't mean that much by it. In those days, it meant something. And there was a division among them. So he said again to the blind man, what do you say about him since she opened your eyes and he said he is a prophet? So again, put yourself in the skin of this blind man. My friends and my neighbors bring me in front of this inquisition. What do I know? I know one thing. This man came. He
1: put some mud on my eyes. And I can, that's all I know. And he has to sit there and watch and listen to these Pharisees
0: discuss about what happened and who this Jesus was who had done it. He can't be from God because he did it on the Sabbath. He must be a sinner. And they're divided. So they grab him again, and they look at him, and they said, I don't think they grabbed him by the collar, but they might have. Tell me now, what do you say? Who is this guy? We think he's a sinner. Who do you think he is? Can you imagine the courage that it must have taken for him to say,
1: well, I think he's a prophet. standing in front of the professors
0: and doctors of theology. On the first day of your life that you can see anything at all. So he obviously hadn't
1: had an education, couldn't read. Can you imagine what his heart was doing? And now it gets even weirder. The Jews,
0: remember, and we've had this, talked about this in John before, so again, I'm not going to go into it. Remember that we had this distinction, the Pharisees and the Jews. Now John is switching to the Jews, this greater group. The Jews did not believe he had been blind and received his sight. So he tells them all this, I don't know how many times, and they don't believe him. Can you, can you imagine what that's like? Have you ever been not believed? So, what do they do? They call the parents of the man and they said to him, Is this your son who was born blind? How does he then
1: see? How does he now see? So, they call his parents. I don't know how long it took them to get there. Is this your son? Is this the
0: one who was blind? And can you see that? And maybe they're seeing him now for the first time after he can see. His parents say, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. That we know. But now, how he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he's of age. He will speak from himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be the Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age, ask him.
1: Have you ever had your parents fail you? Can you imagine standing there in all your weakness in front of these people who are just looking for trouble, who are looking to break things up, A simple thing happened to you.
0: Not, a, not in the sense that it didn't mean anything, but it was real. Simp- it's a real simple story. Here I am.
1: This is what happened. That's it. These are the facts. And my parents don't take it up for me. Because they're afraid. And they
0: leave me hanging in the breeze. Ask him, don't ask us. We don't want to get put out of the synagogue. I'm not going to take this.
1: Ask him. Can you imagine what that would have been like? So for the second time, we'll go to the next text.
0: So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. And he answered, Whether he's a sinner, I do not know. One thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered them, I mean, this, this is just getting ridiculous, right? I've told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear again? Now you see there's a little fire in his belly, right? Well, wait a minute here. <laughs> do you also want to become his disciples? You have the sarcasm dripping a little bit from the
1: words. And they reviled him. Again, a man who's been blind from birth,
0: has been a beggar dependent on the whole community for his life. Now he can see. And the first thing they do is revile him. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born in utter sin. And would you teach us? Remember the very beginning of the story? Jesus sees the man. The disciples say to him, who sinned? This man or his parents? And Jesus says, neither of, none of them, nobody. And look what the Pharisees or the Jews are doing now not believing him, reviling him, and now saying, you were born in utter sin. Could you just go back to that last slide? Uh, Christopher, thanks, sorry. You were born in utter sin. Would you teach us? And then what? They cast him out. It's just crazy.
1: Can you imagine? Okay, Christopher, you can go on, thanks. Can you imagine being in that man's shoes after such a life that he's led?
0: And the final thing that these professors of theology do is say to him, you're an utter sinner. You were born in it. Now get out. Is there any way that we can identify ourselves
1: with these Pharisees and Jews? With the friends and the
0: neighbors? You can go on, Christopher, the blank things and the parents.
1: Not seeing this man. Not believing this man. Not
0: understanding his pain. Putting our own interests in front of his interests.
1: Marginalizing him in every possible way. Do we do that? Us respectable people? In 2023? In the last two weeks, I
0: have with my own ears first hand
1: Heard witnesses, witness from women, from members of the LGBTQ community, from a black American about being marginalized and not considered well within our own denomination. Not talking about somebody out there. Talking about Christian reform. And I heard this week also a story about an
0: elderly woman struggling with Alzheimer's in a memory care center, the memory care
1: uh, section unit who said something in front of the staff, the caregiver, a group of them, and they laughed at her. And I know that's happened twice. They laugh at her. How much are we, maybe not even so much as individuals, but as a group,
0: like these neighbors and friends and parents and Pharisees and Jews.
1: Nowadays, one of the things that we hear from, I'll just call
0: it the right, from conservatives, and often from evangelicals, is something like this. There are those that would say that when you seek a safe place, you're a snowflake. And there are those that would say that those advocate, who advocate for safe
1: places are woke. And I want to tell you this morning, I'm a snowflake. I'm looking for a safe place. And I'm woke. Because I want to advocate for
0: those like this blind man. Who need a safe
1: place. You call me woke all day long. It's a badge of honor. And I realize there are silly
0: extremes on both sides. I realize that. There's silly stuff going on. on, the, on the, absolutely. The fundamental question is, am I going to be like the neighbors, the friends, the parents, the Pharisees, and the Jews? For this vulnerable man just opened his eyes for the first time in his whole life, and look what happens to him. I've mentioned Diane Langberg uh, here often. She's a A doctor in psychology, one of the, one of the world renowned experts on dealing with trauma and abuse. Here's a tweet that she put out just this week. No system, no matter how godly its goal sounds, that carries within it oppression, silencing, dehumanizing, violence, abuse, and corruption
1: is healthy. No system. Not even the Christian Reformed Church.
0: That carries within it, and I'll just use the two words silencing and dehumanizing,
1: because we're not particularly a violent group. To silence and dehumanize is exactly what Jesus did not come to do. And then Jesus brings a word of judgment.
0: And actually, um, I'm going to skip over that, Christopher. We're going to go to the next text. Thank you. So this is the first thing I want to just put on the table. How far are we, the neighbors, friends, parents, Pharisees and Jews. And I think we are. And I think it's time for us to start speaking up more loudly so that no one in our circles has to undergo what this blind man underwent. But then look what happens. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and notice this, and having found him. So who's looking for who now? The man isn't running to Jesus. He didn't do it at the beginning. He's not doing it now. Jesus found him. He said, "'Do you believe in the Son of Man?' And he answered, "'And who is he, sir, "'that I may believe in him?' And Jesus said to him, "'You have seen him, "'and it is he who is speaking to you.' And he said, "'Lord, I believe,' and he worshiped him.' And Jesus said, "'For judgment I came into this world "'that those who do not see may see, "'and those who see may become blind.' Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, "'Are we also blind?' And Jesus said to him, "'If you were blind, "'you would have no guilt.' but now that you say we see, your guilt remains. For Jesus comes and finds this man and reveals himself to him and draws him into faith. I
1: believe that it's you and worship.
0: And then we have to go on to John chapter 10, because the chapter divisions are artificial. They weren't in the original manuscripts, and the story continues. And I don't have time this morning to read the whole the whole thing, but I encourage you, if you have a chance today or sometime this week, read all of John chapter 9, and then read through John chapter 10 as one story, because that's what's happening here. But we're going to pick up at John 10, verse 7, just for time's sake. So Jesus again said to everyone, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now imagine that man who formerly was blind hearing these words. Jesus says, I'm the door, I'm the shepherd. There are thieves and there are robbers. And who do you think that man is thinking about? And Jesus said, there are thieves that come in to steal and kill and destroy. And who do you think that man is thinking about?
1: All those people that stood around him in this angry circle. Jesus says to him, I'm here
0: that we may have life, that you may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And now I'm asking you this question. Can you identify with the blind man?
1: not seen, not heard, not understood, traumatized, cast out, rejected. Can you identify with that? Earlier
0: we were perpetrators. Now we're victims. Can you feel that? You all have these experiences. I know you do. We all do. Every single one of us. Some of us go way back, way deep. Some of them happening right now. Not seen, not heard, not understood. Traumatized, cast out, reviled. Being called
1: a sinner. And can you hear these words of
0: Jesus, who this morning seeks you out, comes to you? He says, I'm the good shepherd. I have come to make you lie down in
1: green pastures. I have come to restore your soul.
0: I have come come to give you abundant life. I've come to prepare a table before you where in the presence of your enemies,
1: And I have come so that you may dwell in my house for the rest of your life. And the question is, do you believe?
0: Do you believe? And will you worship this Jesus in the middle of
1: your need? whatever that is.